Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the work that you have done thus far. We want to pray for Everyone that is not here this morning, again, Lord, I pray for safe travels, for Pastor Israel, Pastor Jared. Pray for healing for Mike Schifoni. Lord, as we continue to get into your word here, my prayer for us is that we allow your word, your truth, to shape and mold us into those types of people who are all about allowing you to perfect us each and every day. We pray this in the name of Jesus who makes all this possible. Amen. The year is 1958 at Penn University in Pennsylvania. That's where the pen comes from. A Korean student named In Ho Oh has just finished writing a letter back to his parents in Korea. You got to think, 1958 coming from Korea to go to university here in the United States, that's a big deal. He just got done writing this letter, and and he's just going to the mailbox. And see, I don't know much about Penn University. I know that Greg probably could inform us with his Philadelphia roots. But from what I understand, at one point in time, maybe still, it was kind of in a rougher neighborhood. He was attacked by 11 juvenile males on his way back from the mailbox. In fact, they attacked him so viciously that they killed him for no reason. It really didn't matter that he was Korean. That wasn't the reason why they attacked him. They were just going to attack anybody. What I find interesting, though, is not the fact that this tragedy happened, which is a tragedy. What I find rather encouraging is his family's response. I just want to read you this letter that they wrote to the judge after this attack had happened and they had found the 11 boys that were guilty. This is what they wrote from Korea. Our family has met together and we have decided to petition the most generous treatment possible within the laws of your government be given to those who have committed this criminal act. To give evidence of our sincere hope contained in this petition, we have decided to save money That's not typically what we want to save money for. Save money to start a fund to be used for the religious, educational, vocational, and social guidance of the boys when they are released. We have dared to express our hope with the spirit received from the gospel of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins. Brothers and sisters, could you forgive like this? Really? Could you forgive like this? Even saving money to pay for their education for when they get released? They said they were going to save money. They didn't say we're going to pay for it. If they already had the money, they would have just paid for it. But no, they're going to go out of their way to save money. So they're putting their money where their mouth is. But not because they're using money, because why? They said they're going to do this according to the forgiveness that they've received 
in Jesus Christ. And they want to extend that forgiveness to even the murderers of their son. See, we're all going to face slander in life. We're all going to face abuse. We're all going to face theft. We're all going to face some type of injustice. Here's a side note. Life's not fair. But we need to be able to forgive like this. And do you know why? See, I know why because it's clearly in our text today. But simply, we need to be able to forgive like this because we can. Hebrews 10.14, one of our verses today says this, For by a single offering He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Sanctified is one of those $25 seminary words. Maybe with inflation, it's up to about $45 by today's standards. When I was in seminary, it was a $25 word. But here's a $0.25 explanation. Sanctification is just the process that God takes us through to make us holy. He sets us aside to make us like Him. He sets us aside to make us like Jesus. We're being sanctified because of one single offering, just one. And this is the reason why we've titled today's sermon this, One and Done. One and Done. We're going to be in Hebrews as we continue our sermon series, specifically chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. And like every, every other Sunday, every single verse will be on each and every screen. So if you did not bring your Bible, do not worry. You can follow along as we go through these verses this morning. But first, we cannot forget about last week because Pastor Jared encouraged us in the blood of Jesus. After all, what can we say that takes away our sins, Miss Kathy? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And that was the title from last Sunday's sermon. See, outside of Jesus, there is absolutely no salvation. And today, we're going to continue in that same gospel truth, the same truth that Jesus spoke about in John. See, in John, Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. If you're only encouraged in one thing this morning, let it be that. Nobody comes through the Father except through Jesus. So with that being said, let's get into this text this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near Otherwise, what, or would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have not taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. 
Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these... There is no longer any offering for sin. Amen. As we look at these 18 verses this morning, we need to put them into one simple sentence that really generally defines everything that's being said right here. And that sentence would state this. Only the unrepeatable sacrifice of Jesus can take away sin. Only the unrepeatable sacrifice of Jesus can take away sin. Recently, I came across this account of someone who had rented a Tesla at the airport. And for some of you that have rented a car at the airport, you know how it goes. Before you leave the gate from the company in which you rent from, The gate attendant won't lift the gate to let you leave without going through the final bits of paperwork. And I read this account where this guy had a friend and he was talking about how his friend was getting ready to leave and he had rented a Tesla, right? And we all know Teslas are electric motors. We're clear on that, correct? Okay, just checking. And the attendant, when they were going through the paperwork right before they were going to lift that gate, they asked one final question about... Would you like to take advantage of the fuel option? Wait, Teslas are electric. They don't run on petroleum. See, what happened was, and we've all done this, the gate attendant didn't really look at the car. The gate attendant was just going through the motions, asking the same question that they ask everybody when they come through to leave. Church. We cannot be caught just going through the motions with our walk with the Lord. And this is precisely the problem with the whole sacrificial system prior to Jesus. We see this in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. It starts off by saying, but the law has but a shadow of the good things to come. See, a shadow cannot reveal its object, but it can reveal its reality. So the object of this shadow is actually good because the object of the shadow that's being described here is the good news. That's right, the gospel, the good news of salvation for us hell-deserving sinners through the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. That's what the shadow is actually saying that it is, but it can't be the object itself because the shadow is the reality. The shadow is the bad news. And the bad news is... The law 
can't take away sin. Which is why priestly sacrifices are continually offered every year, as it says here in this text. And that's kind of like going through the motions. Every year on the Day of Atonement, the priest would have to go into the Holy of Holies and then offer sacrifices for the sin of the people. And then another year would come and the Day of Atonement would come back again and he would do it again. It's like rinse and repeat, just going through the motions. Did you like that fuel option on that Tesla? Now, some of us are thinking, then why would the Lord use the sacrificial system? If He would have known in all His sovereign power to know everything, why would He even establish a sacrificial system? What is the purpose? See, in verse 3, the sacrifices, as we see, were a, what does it say? A reminder of sins. You know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say that the sacrifices were a solution for sin. No. The sacrifices were but a reminder for the sin, not a solution. So let's not fool ourselves. We all kind of have a problem. We all kind of have a tendency with returning back to our own sacrificial systems, don't we? If I don't do enough for God, He won't bless me. If I don't pray enough in the morning, if I don't read X number of verses or chapters or books in my Bible each day, I may not receive that blessing. If I don't be nice to this person, if I don't come alongside this person, if I don't do this and I don't do that, I might not receive that blessing from God. But then also in the sacrificial system, we do it on the reverse end, don't we? Or I, I do this and I do that. I read my Bible every day. I, I pray for people in the church. Then we have a lot of spiritual pride going on. Now, let me say this. We're a small church. I'm looking at you right now. I know every one of you by name. Personally, been in most of your homes Every one of us here is guilty of either or, including myself. I see spiritual pride in this church. And then I also see spiritual, well, I just, poor old me. I haven't done quite enough, so I got to go do it now to please God. Like God needs us. The Bible's not about us. All 66 books, every single verse in this Bible is not about you. It's not about me. It's about He. This book is about Jesus. God doesn't care about your own personal sacrificial system. And as we observe in verses 5 through 7, we recognize that Jesus Himself set the record straight because He is actually being quoted here from the author of Hebrews from Psalm 40, verses 6 through 8. These verses indicate God's desire. And what is God's desire? It's not animal sacrifices. That's why it was going through the motions year after year on the Day of Atonement for the priests. Because God didn't really desire animal sacrifices. No, God desired a human sacrifice. You don't stack up and I don't stack up. You want to know how I know that you don't stack up and I don't stack up? Because 
only Jesus, only Jesus could completely devote himself to God's will. How are you doing on that? I've watched all of you fail. And guess what? All of you have watched me fail too, haven't you? According to the gospel, we fail on that endeavor. But it doesn't mean that we fail eternally. And we're going to get to that. Brothers and sisters, when we return to our own personal ritualistic system, it's not about doing God's will. No. And that's one of our fundamental problems. We, we go to these go-tos every day thinking that we're actually doing God's will, but that's not actually the will that we're performing. No, because see, we're actually doing our own will. What it is that we think God needs. Get out of the shadow of that reality. That is a challenge for each and every one of us. We need to get out of the shadow of that reality. We need to remind ourselves of the object of God's desire each and every day. And the object of God's desire is none other than the man himself, Mr. One and Done, Jesus. And that's why the O family wrote the letter that they wrote. They didn't write it because of them. They didn't have a rep reputation to uphold here in the United States. And, and, and don't think that we don't do that. A lot of times we do th things sometimes so other people look at us a certain way. They wrote that letter because it was all about Jesus. In the last sentence of that letter, they made it abundantly clear that Jesus was the source of that letter. And they did the Lord's will because that's basically what the Lord has done with us. He's watched us be just as bad as those 11 juveniles that murdered in Ho-O. We're just as guilty sinfully, but He has forgiven our sins through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. In verse 9, we recognize the result of His perfect obedience to God's will. Speaking of Jesus and His perfect obedience, see, there is now a new covenant, because what does it say? He does away with the first in order to establish the second. The new covenant means that we now have access to God directly because of our faith in the work of Jesus Christ. That's why we can say He's one and done. His one-time sacrifice has given us direct access to God. That's the new covenant that we now get to experience. Verse 10, it talks about being sanctified. And we're going to get to that a little bit in, in a moment here. But we need to talk about something first before we get on to sanctification because we're going to deal with that with our last set of verses this morning. We need to talk about something in verse 11. This is really near and dear to me, but not really dear, shall I say. It's actually sad for me to be able to say this. I know most of you are in the same boat that I'm in. Verse 11 actually shatters the foundation of all, all of Catholicism. I know, like you, I have friends and family who are Catholic. Verse 11 clearly shatters the foundation of Catholicism because, see, daily, that's exactly what priests do. Look at, what does verse 11 say? And every priest stands daily 
Well, the book of Hebrews may be referring to priests of the Old Testament, but we have priests now who call themselves priests in the Catholic faith, and this is exactly what they're doing. They're doing the exact same thing that verse 11 says, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, because that's what a Catholic Mass is. The Catholic Mass is, you come to Mass, you receive your grace. Mass is actually performed in a Catholic parish every single day. And every single day, what's happening is this. In a nutshell, very generally speaking, the priest is re-sacrificing Jesus. If you can re-sacrifice Jesus, then the title of this sermon makes absolutely no sense. Then he cannot be one and done. In fact, our main idea, our main sentence for all of these verses this morning wouldn't make sense. Because after all, we said the unrepeatable sacrifice of Jesus. If Jesus could be re-sacrificed over and over and over again, he wouldn't be who he says that he is. It's called going through the motions, just like the gatekeeper for the rental company on that Tesla. You want the fuel option? Well, if you would like the fuel option, as far as it pertains to Christianity, there's any number of Catholic parishes around, church, around town that you could actually go to. And this brings us to our first point this morning. If we're not going through Jesus, then we're just simply going through the motions. If we're not going through Jesus, we're going through the motions. Your own ritualistic system, whatever it is that you think it is that you do to please God, that's just going through the motions. That's not going through Jesus. That's going through you. And remember what Jesus said in John? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Again, we've already stated that only the unrepeatable sacrifice of Jesus can take away sin. Before we continue in speaking of sanctification, I believe it's fitting to just share this quote. This quote, obviously, as you look at the screen, is, is not my own original quote. This is something that I read that I thought is just perfect for what we're discussing this morning. Allow me to read this for you as you follow along. The fact that Jesus has finished something that's still being worked out in our lives is hard to understand. When I'm struggling spiritually, it's encouraging to remember that Jesus' sacrifice for me and for you is complete. Even if our living it out in this life is still a work in progress. Hebrews 10 Verses 12 through 18 are our last set of verses this morning. But we know that Jesus was one and done because what does it say? He sat down at the right hand of God. Now, let's observe verse 13 because it says, Waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. Victory had been won, but complete defeat is yet to come. Now, let me explain that. Victory has been won. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, especially the fact that he's resurrected, which one more thing with Catholicism, I'm not trying to harp on Catholicism, it's just something modern day that we have to look at. That's why they keep Jesus upon the cross. The reason why this cross behind me is empty is because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He ascended into the heavens. Amen. 
That victory has been won. But complete defeat has yet to come. And what we mean by that is this. Jesus will return and He will completely defeat sin. That has yet to come. We know it's going to happen. And that is our great hope. That is our comfort as we move forward. And that's where we go back and look at what's going on in the world and just kind of say, you know what? What else would we expect? My job is not about fighting what's ever in vogue today, the popular opinion of the day. That's been going on since the beginning of sinfulness. Our job is to share the gospel. That's what we're supposed to do. Now, as we remember our quotes, apply verse 14 to that quote. See, sanctification can be a challenging concept, and I understand that. It's not easy for us to understand. But see, the O family revealed their sanctification. That letter that they wrote, that actually revealed their sanctification. So really, with that being said, ask yourself this question, and don't think that I'm just asking you to ask yourself this question. I'm actually asking myself the same exact question. Do I see, or should not, no, that's not what we need to ask. Do other Christians see God's sanctifying work in me? Do other Christians see God's sanctifying work in me? See, sanctification, like we said, is God setting us aside to make us holy. See, it's really difficult because right now, we're not there yet. The complete Defeat is yet to come, but we know that it's coming. So as believers now, we need to start working towards that coming. That is our hope. In verses 15 and 17, we realize that Jesus gives us a direct quote from Jeremiah 31. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness for us, saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. The more we walk with Jesus, the more we walk away from our lawless deeds. That's sanctification. It's not that you get it all figured out. No. You're not that know-it-all. You're constantly learning. And every day we should be learning how to more and more walk with the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to guide us towards Him. So as Hallie comes up this morning, I just want to observe three observations as we look at these, these verses here. First, where it says, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. His law is written within us. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in our heart because that's where God has written His law. The Holy Spirit is our guide. He guides us to Jesus. The second thing we need to observe from these verses is this. It says, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. God sees when He sees you. God sees the perfection of Jesus God does not see the imperfection of you. We see our own imperfections currently. We see the imperfections in others. But when God sees us, when we have faith in the work of Jesus, He sees the perfection of Christ and Christ's work upon the cross. 
The third and final thing that we need to observe from these verses is this. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. The sacrificial system is obsolete. God has made it abundantly clear, really simply put, everything that you would ever try to do here on earth to try to take away the sin of the world won't ever get the job done. What I did upon the cross will. And that gives me great comfort because I know how I stack up against Jesus. And when I look at myself compared to Him, I realize how short I fall each and every day. So do you want forgiveness for your sin? If you sit here this morning, do you really truly want forgiveness for your sin? And if that's so, then you need to place your faith in the completed one and done work of Jesus. Now, you may be sitting here this morning and you may know that, hey, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I am saved. I know that I'm saved. I know where I'm going. That's great. So you may already be there. You already know that I have faith in Christ. I want my sin forgiven. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're unsure. Maybe you are sure, but you know somebody who doesn't know the Lord yet. Whatever the case may be, I want to say this. I want to make myself clear when I say this before I say it. There is no prayer that you pray to receive Jesus. That is not in the Bible. But we can pray for God to reveal himself to us or we can pray for God to reveal himself to somebody else in such a way that they will or we will come to a saving faith in the work of Christ and stop relying upon ourselves because that's exactly what we do when we don't trust Jesus. If you don't trust Jesus, you're trusting yourself. And like most of you know, I tell you a lot, I don't trust myself. One of the sure-tail signs of a church that is led by men who don't trust themselves is a church that goes verse by verse through books of the Bible. That is the only way to safeguard yourself from that. But that's another side note. The point is this. Let's take these last few moments to bow our heads and pray that prayer. Either Lord, reveal yourself to me in such a way that I'll come to a saving faith in Jesus or reveal yourself to somebody else that you may know that needs to have the Lord revealed to them. I'm going to have you bow your heads for a moment so we can pray that prayer silently together. After having prayed silently, we need to summarize these last bit of verses, and let's just do it by saying this. Faith in Jesus guarantees complete perfection even while still perfecting. Even though you're still being perfected, you're completely perfected. Your faith in Jesus guarantees 
that when you finish your race, you will be perfected. But right now, currently, there's a perfecting happening in you because of your faith in Christ, because you know that your sin's been forgiven, because you know that the Holy Spirit is guiding you to the only one who can forgive sin. His name is none other than Jesus Christ. Also this morning we said this, if we're not going through Jesus, we're just going through the motions. If we're not going through Jesus, we're just going through the motions. And finally, for the last time, only, only the unrepeatable sacrifice of Jesus can take away sin. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.